0: Exodus chapter number 33, verse number 21, 21, it says, and the Lord said, here is a place, a place, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So Father, thank you for that place. It's close to you, and we want to stay close to you. Thanks for the illumination that the Holy Spirit brings to us, and helps us to see those things that you have planned for us, that helps us drill a little deeper to know the meaning of your word and application to our lives, because your word is truth, your word is transformational, your word lives, it's quick and powerful, so help us by absorbing your word to fulfill your purpose for us in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now watch this, you are here today at the right time for a right word from the Lord. You're here. And I'm going to share some principles with you, some blessings that God has for us in his word. And somebody who grabs hold of this and snatches this out of the atmosphere will experience great success in the new year. The word that I'm sharing today is at the right time, at the right place. And when I speak about these principles, God's going to create a climate for you for these to manifest and for you to live in them and live them out. So there are three principles that God desires to activate in each of our lives. They are components that he uses to build us and to build his church. They are the correct connections, the correct place, the correct plan to achieve his perfect will. And walking in his will is what we should be doing. These belong to us, His church. They have been given to us by God Himself. I want to talk first of all about the correct connections. When God desires to bless your life, He sends a person. And when God, listen, when God desires to bless you in sending that person, that person will bring with Him or her those elements that you need to fulfill your purpose. When the devil wants to trip you up and set you back, He sends a person for the purpose of derailing you, getting you away from what God wants for you. So either way, there will be a person sent in your direction. And remember, principalities use personalities. That's why you must stay in an attitude of communion with the Holy Spirit to have 20-20 discernment in the Spirit. So watch this. Therefore, from now on, Paul wrote, we regard no one according to the flesh It became very discerning who he dealt business with and built relationships with. In Romans, he said, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. In other words, there are flesh-oriented people. There are spirit-oriented people. You need the gift of discernment to make the distinction. Everyone who comes into your life doesn't just bring to you physicality. They bring a spirit. And it doesn't take long to discern if a person has a good, submitted, tender-hearted spirit. Some who come into your life have an angry spirit. Some have a controlling spirit. Some have a perverted spirit. So when you bring people into your life, you better have revelation. Because you're not just bringing a person on board. You're bringing a spirit on board. And you get around someone, and you see and you sense their spirit. Some people will impress you with their spirit. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. So know the kind of spirit someone radiates from that lamp. You will either feel good vibes, or you'll sense deep negativity. A critical spirit. An argumentative spirit. A contrary spirit. And you have to discern those spirits, because when you allow those people into your life, and into your ears, and into your brain, and into your heart, into your inner circle of connections, you didn't just bring a person, you brought a spirit. And in our world today, there are self-absorbed hearts, very needy people. Okay. And it means that if there's a deficiency in your life, You'll attract the same kind of people who are just as messed up as you are. And if you're not careful, you'll marry somebody with an attitude you don't like about yourself because you're not discerning in your spirit about relationships. So you develop a walk with the Holy Spirit. So you acquire discernment about the correct connections you have to have in your life because there are flesh people and there are faith people. Amen? And flesh people will tear you down, and faith people will pick you up. Flesh people feed your fears. Faith people feed your faith. Discern, are you being built up or torn down hanging around with that person? Are you more excited about what God's doing in your life, having been with them, or do you feel like you need a shower because you've been contaminated? God desires to bring on board your life, correct connections. When Paul needed to make a change in his life, because he was headed in the wrong direction as Saul, God sent a person. It was Ananias. And God didn't send an angel. He sent a person. And Ananias was used to assist Paul and open his eyes and get him going in the right direction. When Paul needed to expand his ministry, the word says that Barnabas was sent to the church that Paul had persecuted and he said to the church, Paul's okay. I'm giving you my word. He is serving Jesus. You are rightly skeptical of Paul, but you know me and I'm using my acquired influence. So you'll give Paul an opportunity and give him a chance to preach. God knows how to bring bridge people into your life. Those who can link you with your destiny. You can't get there on your own. The chasm is too great for you to get across. So God brings a bridge person into your life. And with one phone call, everything changes. Because I know people you don't know. And you know people I don't know. It's amazing how God hooks things up. So when God is about to take you to the next level, all he has to do is release a Barnabas into your life. A bridge person. That what you wished for and you could not see manifest, God says, I can release one person into your life and you have launch. Could anybody here use some bridge people in your life in the new year? Paul was in a season of life where things were very tumultuous. He said this, we were troubled on every side, outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Have you ever walk through a season like that? Huh. Warfare. Trials in every single direction. And then fears welling up inwardly, tormenting you. But here was the solution he wrote. Nevertheless. I love that word. Nevertheless. We've got a book by that title we read once in a while. The Neverthelesses of the Bible. Here's one of them. Nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast, speaking of himself, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Titus encouraged Paul in the Lord. And we all need people like that in our lives. God knows how to release the correct connections into your life. Those who know how to encourage you. Because if you give it the wrong people, when there's turmoil on the outside, and there are fears on the inside, and then here comes sister discouragement. A cloud follows her everywhere she goes. And you can see it. It just looms over her when she heads in your direction. Listen to me. She will take you further into depression. And God not only desires to bring a Titus into your life, he wants you to become a Titus to other people, to bring blessings to people. When you walk in the room, you bring a blessing. Now, when Paul was a basket case, he had to get out of town by being lowered over a wall of the city in a basket. And there were people who held the ropes of that basket. Let me tell you about these special people. They could feel the tension on the rope when they allowed Paul and they let him down the side of the wall, but they didn't drop him. And when you have a God-sent person in your life, many people, when they sense tension, they want to get out of the relationship. As soon as there's anything that's a little contrary, they want to let go. But there are some people God will bring to you who are rope holders. They just wrap the rope around their fists, and when you're when you're a basket case, they will stand there and they will hold the rope for you. When they feel the tension, they will not back off. They'll say, "I am committed. We will make this. We will make it through this together. I'm standing with you. It's gonna be okay." Does God care when you are widowed or divorced or single parent? Is God aware of that? God has correct connections for you. Not always somebody who can't do much more for themselves than, let alone you, but sometimes people right off the top, like Ruth in the scripture, who was widowed. And God cared about her. And Boaz came right off the top. He was the baddest man in town. Good looking, wealthy. He had everything going for him, and he loved God, which was the most important component in a person's life. Naaman contracted leprosy, which meant that's the end, brother. That's a death sentence. And God released a servant girl to direct him to a prophet who could facilitate his healing, a Hebrew girl who recommended to him the prophet Elisha. Sometimes you can overlook the person who is bringing God's answer to you. The person who serves you in some capacity. The servant keeping his house became the person who led him to his miracle. God, grant us 2020 discernment to not be so addicted to your smartphone. God cannot interrupt you with his answer because God can use an ordinary person to get you where you need to go. Say, I receive correct connections. I correct connections. And when you acquire the correct connections, here's what happens. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give. Shall men. Oh. People. Shall men give into your bosom or life. So a lot of times you'll hear people, and they're praying, God, bless me indeed. Prayer of Jabez. Enlarge my borders. I have to have a promotion. We know you're the source, God, and we do. We know God is our source, but you've never received one check signed Jehovah Jireh. Never. Okay. Understand, not only is God going to send you what you need, people to encourage you, but also those who will spiritually encourage you and uplift you. God has some financial support ready, but you have to have the discernment of Luke 6.38. In reality, men give into your life because you're a giver. Receive, therefore, faith people, spirit people, blessing people, correct connections. Receive them. Then secondly, when God brings you to himself, not only does he have correct connections... He has the correct places for you. There's a place where God will bless you. There's a place where God will take care of you. See, God created places before he created people. So the correct place has to be an important component. God told Elijah, you're going to need to go to Zarephath in the time of famine. Now, Elijah knew already that God could feed him in a famine. Because every day, God sent the ravens to drop Big Macs to him. And he was there by a brook, drinking water. When no one else had food or water, he had plenty of both. But the birds stopped coming with their Big Macs, and the brook finally dried up, and God moved him to a new place. That's always a clue, by the way. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you at Zarephath. Now, if you remain in this spot, when God tells you to move to the other spot, the blessing will be over there while you're still stagnating over here. The blessing of God is connected to a place. And check it out. Elijah was out in the wilderness. He was hiding from Jezebel because she put a wanted dead warrant on his head. Okay. And do you know where Jezebel was born? She was born in Zarephath. That was her hometown. Now, Elijah is full of stress. He's burdened. He knows they're out looking for him to kill him. And there's a famine. There's no place to eat or get water. Everything's drying up around him. Would anyone hiding from Jezebel go hang out in her hometown? Hiding in plain sight. And God said, I've got a blessing in that city for you. Will you trust me? A widow will sustain you. As a child of God, he always has a place where he will bless you. In Zarephath, the widow was there. She's gathering some wood when he happens to walk by. I love God's coincidences. Aren't they great? And she's going to build a fire to build that fire for baking one last meal. And the prophet looks at her and he says, Feed me first and the famine will be over in your life. So when Elijah arrives in the correct place, then God could bless him and took care of the family that blessed him. So when your brook dries up, It's just God driving you back to your source to get you exactly in the place where he can provide for you. You have to be in the right place. For many people, blessing is connected to correct placement. That's why he intricately puts his body and assembles it together. That's why you don't, therefore, treat your church family lightly, but you regard where God's planted you. Because when God's about to do something in your life, nine out of ten times, it'll begin in a service just like this. That's that's why you have to be careful about, on, on a normal Sunday, how you feel about coming back to church on Sunday night. It could be in that very service, God speaks to you in a powerful way. Now, the devil can't know the future, but he can sense what's going on around you. Snakes have sensors, and he can sense when something's about to happen, so he'll stick out his forked tongue and sense the atmosphere around him. He senses when we're about to have a visitation and a blessing. He senses when God's about to bless us, and when he senses that, he targets us to keep us in the wrong place, out of the place that God has for our blessing. Be sensitive to being rooted in the correct place place. Because in the culture we're living in today, some people have location frustration. They just wander all over the place. And I just got this article on Friday, and I want to quote you a couple of spots in it. Individual attendance in many churches in America today is down to once or twice a month for average people or less, because they think, I'm quoting, and that's always the problem right there, they think regular attendance is, I get there when I can. That's how they interpret regular attendance. I get there when I can. So it says, everyone's trying to attract new people and hold on to them and make disciples, but today, People are seekers and shoppers looking for a temporary experience of worship, not a long-term commitment. Well, let me just explain to you. In the world we're living in today, you better have a long-term commitment. You better know who your family is. You better be plugged in because as all hell breaks loose in this culture, you better have a place that's on a rock whereby you stand. Amen? And this is not self-serving. Time is too short for political correctness any longer from pulpits. You're in a spirit-filled, spirit-directed church. If you don't have one, get planted in one and start ministering in one and start using what God's gifted you to do. If this is your church, be planted in it, participatory and unmovable because that's how God's designed his church, piece by piece. And if all the stones will work together, listen to me, and be who God's designed us to be, unbelievable what can be accomplished. But when you have location frustration and you roll around like a rolling stone, yeah. Bethel means house of God. God told Elisha, if you want a double portion, if you're in the correct place, I'll release it to you. And the first place Elijah takes Elisha is to Bethel, the house of God. Elisha, if you're in the house of God, at the right time, I will release a double portion to you. Elijah then goes from Bethel to Gilgal. And why are you following this old prophet around, by the way? All Elisha did was serve Elijah. That seemed to be the only task he was assigned. He would pour water on his hands. When Elijah was needing to wash his hands, he was serving. Why are you doing that? God told me if I'm in the correct place at the correct time, being with the correct person, I will receive the correct blessing. Gilgal was not a pleasant place. It was the place of circumcision. And on your journey, some of the places God takes us are going to be some of the hardest places. Difficult, painful. And if this is where God planted you and it gets painful and you start hurting, it's okay. Because God's stretching us, growing us, maturing us. And none of that happens without some pain. The correct place is not always a place of just green pastures where everything is pleasant and well. Sometimes the correct place is hard and it's rough and it's painful. Why? Because you won't grow unless that happens because none of us willingly stretches. We have to usually get pushed to be stretched. From there, they journey to Jordan, place of death. And do you know when you're dead, when they can throw dirt on you and you don't feel it any longer? Can people throw dirt your way and you don't get your back up? And you don't get all puffed up? Until you get there, you'll need to die a little bit more. And so let me recommend to you that you read the book or get the video DVD series, Bait of Satan. Our men are using that. Now I understand the women are using that. It's the most incredible, absolute expository revelation of why... The enemy will plant offense in you and use it to destroy you and displace you in the body of Christ. Yep. In fact, it ought to be required reading for every member of the church. It's that good. What does that mean? I gotta die a little more. I can't stay in preschool. I gotta move on. Right? From Jordan to Jericho, the place of angelic visitation and suddenly he arrives in the right place, and a double portion falls on him from heaven. Now watch. God is going to order your steps in the new year. That's his plan. But you have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I've had several opportunities to move to other places, and I'm a seasoned pastor. I can steer a ministry. I can give direction because I've had enough experience to be able to give good direction. And some people think, well, look, they want you. This is how some people think. They want you. They will pay your way. It's an open door. Go. No, you have to be sensitive. I want to be in the correct place. And I believe that there are places where God has ordained and there he commands blessing. Do you believe that God loves you enough in order that he will order your steps to correct places? Do you believe he loves you that much? And the Lord said, here is a place by me. You shall stand on the rock. Ah, So it's not just about, it's a better job, it's more money, it's this opportunity, none of that. I want to discover that place and remain where he wants me to be. When Adam walked with God in the cool of the day, he was in that place. Notice the serpent never showed up when Adam was side by side with God. He said, There's a place by me. The snake showed up when Eve was isolated. Had she been close to the Lord, the snake might not have appeared. When you're most vulnerable is when you're not in the correct place. And as long as Peter walked with Jesus, he was in that place. He was bold. He draws a sword and he cuts the ear off of a temple guard. I will never be ashamed of Jesus. I will never deny him. Well, He could have been executed for having attacked the temple guard. When Peter was away from Jesus, out of place, a teenage girl accuses him of being Jesus' disciple. He responds, I don't know who Jesus is. One minute, he's wielding a sword. The next minute, full denial, stepped out of place. There is a place, God said, by me. He who dwells In the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. To walk in someone's shadow, you have to be close to them. The woman with the issue of blood said, If I can touch the hem of the garment. Her miracle was predicated on being in the correct place near the body of Jesus. The body of Christ today is the church, we are his body. Most of the miracles that you'll receive will be related to your position in the body. This is no time to be a Lone Ranger Christian. You're going to be in a whole lot of trouble. Disconnected, doing your own thing, showing up for church when it's convenient. Not all in. Refusing to be pastored or mentored or discipled. Just sitting in church. This is not the hour for that. The closer you are to his body, the more miracles you'll see because you're fitted together like pieces of a puzzle or, or, or stones in a building. Each of us is a part of his body. Each of us has a role to play assigned by God. And when each plays well, we become unstoppable. And then third, there's the correct plan. For I know the what? Oh, I have for you, says the Lord. They are? And not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. If you learn something about God today, learn this. He plans. God says, You are not here by accident. I have a plan. I have planned out your life. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Hmm. Plans to give you a hope. In a future. Are you listening? There is a correct plan. All kinds of plans you can look at, but there's a correct plan. One idea from God can change your life because there are good ideas and there are God ideas. We need the Father to release God ideas to us in this new year, not just good ideas. He gave Edison a plan. We have lights. He gave the Wright brothers a plan. We can fly to any corner of the world. And my God has not run out of ideas, and he has a plan for your life. And any time you ask God for a miracle, often he'll give you back a plan with a set of instructions. Because before every miracle, first, he gives you a plan. Nowhere you can find that any other way in the Scripture. Why well, I need a miracle in my family? You're asking God for a plan. "Joshua, you need a miracle. Here's the plan. You march around Jericho' six days. You stay quiet. no one says a word. On the seventh day, you march around Jericho seven times. And then the trumpets blast, and the shout of the people, they open their mouths, and the walls will fall. Noah, your family needs salvation. Build an ark. And God gave Noah the specific dimensions to build the ark with a window on the top. You would have appreciated that window if you're on that ark with all those animals for 40 days and nights. That was an important window. Yeah. Naaman, go dip seven times in the Jordan River. I don't like that river, it's dirty. Seven times in the Jordan. You ask for a miracle, I'm giving you a specific set of instructions. We just want God to do miracles. We'll just sit here and, God, you're just going to do a miracle while I sit here and receive it from you. God will never do a miracle without giving you a set of instructions and a plan. He said, I know the plans I have for you. So if you ask God for a miracle, expect a set of instructions. It becomes very imperative to understand the plan that God has and what a planner he is. Isaiah 45, 1 through 5, God writes a memo to King Cyrus yet unborn. A memo to a king who won't be born for 150 years. 150 years from now, he'll read this. And he said, your name will be Cyrus. You'll be a king and I'm going to be sure you get this memo 150 years from now. Amazing. It's called a plan for your life. In Luke 1, God tells Elizabeth that your son is to have a specific name and what his assignment is to be. Do not call him Zacharias. You are to call him John. And his assignment, he will come in the spirit of Elijah. God had planned his whole life. Samson, before he was born, God visited his mother and said to her, he will be a great deliverer. You are to raise him keeping these vows, no wine, no haircuts, and never to touch anything dead. And God had a plan for for Samson before he was ever born. The reason you're engaged in spiritual battles, the devil, the enemy, seeks to pull you out of God's plan. Just accept another one that seems to be an okay, good plan. God has a plan for your life. The most powerful king in all of the Old Testament, the most revered, had to be David, right? No. Solomon, of course, he certainly had the reputation of being the wealthiest who ever lived. Nope. It was Hezekiah, 2 Kings 18. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. So that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. Wow. Amazing. How about Jeremiah? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. There's a plan for everybody's life. Well, God doesn't have a plan for me because I was an accident. My parents didn't want me. No child is born without God giving life to that seed. And that's why abortion is wrong. You can debate this until the sun sets. Abortion is wrong because no child is born without God giving life to that seed. God has a plan for every person he brings into the world. Well, pastor, I was born out of wedlock. No matter. God has a plan for you. You were in God before you were conceived. As much as I love my mother and respect and honor her for the life she lived, I didn't come from her. I came through my mother. I came from God. My assignment is not messed up because of who I came through. Because I came from God. So what can hell do to me concerning my past? If you want to talk about past, let's go into the courts of heaven where God says, I am fearfully and wonderfully constructed by him. So my past did not start with my family. It started with my creator, my God. And hell has nothing to do with me because God can make all things work together for good to them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. His plans are good for me, not evil. Amen? No weapon formed against you prospers. Divorce, bankruptcy, setbacks, failures in your past. No weapon. His plan prevails. You are here on purpose for a purpose. God is prophesying here in this next passage about a king, 374 years before that king is born. And behold, a man, men man of God, went from Judah, as a prophet, to Bethel. By the word of the Lord, God sent him there. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Then the prophet cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David. And on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you. So the prophet is saying, This king yet to be born is going to put to death all the false prophets who brought demons into the worship of Israel. And men's bones shall be burned on you, on this altar. And he gave a sign the same day, and he said, This is a sign in which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. And just a couple of verses later it says, And the altar split and the ashes fell out. God split the altar. Now, 374 years before he's born, God saw demon worship, idol worship, enter into the nation of Israel. But God is a planner. He's been planning the marriage supper of the Lamb for over 2,000 years. And by the way, he is a detailed planner. And nothing is ever done on a whim nothing. So 374 years before his parents existed, God names Josiah to lead Israel to a spiritual renewal. Wow. Now, Josiah had a wicked father, Rehoboam, who sacrificed and burned children in fire because he became a demon worshiper. And Josiah becomes now The successor to his father and king of Israel at eight years of age. That's scary. Free gummy bears for everybody. I mean, eight years old. Josiah couldn't sleep one night, so he calls the scribes to come and read him some ancient history. That would be the scripture. And while they read, the king screams aloud as he hears that 374 years prior, a prophet who was standing by an altar back in Israel had predicted the end of idol worship in Israel through a king named Josiah. And he will tear down the altars of Baal and reinstitute the worship of the Lord Jehovah. And he said, I just read my assignment. I know why I'm here. God's got a plan for my life. And Josiah brings a spiritual renewal to all of Israel. And God planned your life at least 374 years before you arrived here. And God's plans for you to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future and to do you no harm. And anybody and everybody ought to go, thank you, Lord. Amen? So quit listening to the voice of your adversary who tells you that God is mad at you. God's getting even with you because you did something so bad that it will never ever be, you'll never be what God wants. Listen to me. God is trying to get you back to your future and the plans he has for you and the good stuff he's got for you. Why? For your purpose, for blessing, for favor, for health, for financial prosperity. For fulfillment of purpose. Has anybody got any life in you that you'll stand to your feet and give thanks to the Lord for all He is in your life and what He's planned for your life? To say thank you, Lord.